Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We thank you all for joining us, either live or listening to us the very next day as well. It has been a busy week in sports. The NFL season is starting to get into full swing. Some news out of basketball on both men's and women's. And baseball, we're getting into the final hunt for October as well. There's a lot going on, and we have plenty to talk about today. It is one, I'm once again joined by my co-host, Kelsey. And Kelsey, we do have... It's been a bit of a rough weekend, especially... For you, unfortunately, but we do have a lot of things to talk about, a lot of things looking forward to as well. Yeah, you know, you'd think both of my teams would have lost this week with the way I've been just feeling pretty down about myself lately, but uh, really only one of them lost, and it was just so heartbreaking. I couldn't even have the heart to watch the the uh, the other team play. That's the, the Auburn, Auburn obviously letting me down big time against Penn State, and didn't even didn't even have the heart to watch the, the Dallas Cowboys get victory over the Bengals, and that was kind of sad, uh, kind of a big bummer. Obviously, still kind of a closet Bengals fan. So it's it, it's hard to watch the Bengals lose as well, um, let alone to the Cowboys, who they shouldn't lose to right now. But yeah, it's been it's been a tough weekend uh, for sports fan wise. I, I was kind of hoping I could just watch this one away, but uh, you know, alas, um, I always have to end up talking about it somewhere. It never fails. But <laughs> it's, you know, and you know neither what? of us had the exactly rest... a great fo- great football weekend. I mean, it wasn't exactly yeah, yeah. great for one of us. The rest of the weekend, if we take out football, the rest of the weekend, absolutely fantastic. I mean, it's been a, been a fun last week and a half of sports. Um, and hey, the Cleveland Guardians just clinched the AL Central. So, congratulations, Guardians! You're going to the playoffs in your first yeah, ever this team year. Of existence. With the worst payroll, which was a joking talking point before the season, is how <laughs> at the and now they find themselves in the playoffs as well too. So, quite a quite a fun run for them as well too. But before, we're going to go ahead and there's a lot with baseball, there's a lot with football, but we're going to start somewhat on the hardwood, maybe not directly, but loosely related to the hardwood. That's going to take us into our first segment that is known as the tip off and. Kelsey, we're talking basketball, but not for what goes on the court. We're talking about what happens off the court. And the big news that came out today is the Phoenix Suns owner, Robert Sarver, he is starting the process to sell the NBA Phoenix Suns and the WNBA's Phoenix Mercury as well, too. So any of those who, any of you who don't know he was the subject, there was an investigation into him about misogyny, racism, sexism, a lot of things like that going on within the organization. 
he was suspended for, I believe, is a year and fined the $10 million as well, too, as a result of that investigation. But he is. it looks like the result of that is he is going to go forward with selling the team as well, too. And I do want to do one quick quote that was pulled from his letter as well, too, I, before I get into your reaction. As a man of faith, I believe in atonement and the path to forgiveness, he said in a statement. I expected that the commissioner's one-year suspension would provide me provide the time for me to focus, make amends, and remove my personal controversy from the teams that I and so many fans love. But in our current unforgiving climate, it has become painfully clear that that is no longer possible. And whatever good I've done or could still do is outweighed by the things I've done in my past. For those reasons, I'm beginning the process of seeking buyers for the Suns and the Mercury. When I hear that, the two things that come to mind are, yes, when you do something bad, when you're a public figure like that, you don't just get to walk away from it. You can try, but good luck. And two, did you just try and find a very lawyer way to say cancel culture's a reason's happening? Because that's kind of what it came out as. Like it's no one's forcing you to sell. Like this is not like the this is not a mandate. No one can force you. You're choosing to because people are saying you did dumb. You know what? And mm-hmm. people in your league are, and on your team are saying you did dumb. You know what? That's the result of doing dumb. You know what? Like blaming cancel culture is a little extreme here when you're one of like the 35 wealthiest people in the damn country. Like let's take it easy with that as well, sir. And, you're being punished by becoming a, an even significantly bigger billionaire because that team's going to sell for north of $2 billion, maybe closer to 3 even, depending, just because they do have an upward trajectory as well, too. And then there's still the Mercury team, which I don't know what the it's multi-millions guaranteed, several millions, yeah. might even, hundreds of millions even potentially. So I just thought that I mean, that one that little... Team, I mean, that team especially with mm-hmm. Diana Taurasi and, and all the other weapons on it. I just thought alert. that one little line where it virtually was like, well, because of cancel culture, I have to. It's like... Really? You you probably could have been just fine anywhere else and have been like, okay, whatever, we'll let it go. But then you throw that in there and now you subject yourself to even more. What are you thinking? You know exactly what you did. You virtually admitted to it in the letter too. And that's how you play off your quote your letter. That's I don't know, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, is that one little line there. Yeah, you know, actually I there's a couple quotes here on the ESPN article that I I really actually do like though. Um and and it's actually from a couple of unnamed staffers and it's it's actually really interesting to, to see the dichotomy between the two. One says, I'm pleased to know that while Robert initially was not genuinely remorseful for his actions, it does bring me comfort to know that he was able to put the organization and city before his own needs and desires to step aside so that we can begin to move forward without the hurt and anguish that was tied to his leadership. And that's a current Sun staffer. That's what they told ESPN. And another staffer who participated in the investigation said, I'm relieved, I'm beyond happy, I'm empowered, and I'm motivated to continue to ensure that all of the men in that organization still in power who upheld this culture are rooted out. So that tells me a lot of things, but honestly, it's, it's kind of, it's okay. We all remember Donald Sterling's situation. This is not, that is what this tells me. This tells me that, yeah, he, he messed up a lot. (laughs) Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, his own point guard came out and said, "Your, your punishment's not strict enough for what I've witnessed, but he's at least intelligent enough to be like, I'm going to get out now before it becomes a big thing. Like, let me buy. Like, and it, it, it does show he does have a passion for the team. I'm not excusing anything he's saying, anything he ever did. Let me be very clear about that. Does not excuse anything he ever did. There's a reason why it says Suns and Mercury owner selling team, not his name in this, in this caption right here. Because um, really, let's not empower those that have belittled others. But – give him the small amount of credit of trying to seek a little bit of aspect of reconciliation, such as as a man of faith, uh, the, you know, atone for, at, you know, 
atone for his mistakes. Well, this is one step in atoning for his mistake. He's got a long way to go. Let's not kid ourselves. He's got a whole long way to go. He has a whole lot of people to, for, to get that, that need to forgive him. Whether it'll happen or not, truth be told, best on you. But I'm not here. I'm not here to, to handhold him along the way. I just want to say that that give him the credit there to not bring the team down like Donald Sterling did for the Clippers. What's interesting? And that's too. that's the aspect of it that I want to take away. That like. Yeah, he screwed up. He said a lot of bad things, and all of those things have been noted and documented. I'm not here to belittle a man who's already being being bashed into the ground, but I will say that I'm going to give him a small modicum of credit of seeking atonement in this small fashion. Exactly. It's, and then those things throughout 17 years, going back to July of 2004 when he bought the team for $400 million for it looks like one-third of the stake or so since he's not the loan owner. Right now, the estimated value of the Suns, $1.8 billion, So. Oh yeah. Either, usually, either way, it's easier to atone when you're become, when you're getting more than three times your investment back as well. Too. Like, yeah. It's much I mean, easier. He's, he's gonna make God. He's gonna make so much money off of that. It's so stupid how much money he's <laughs> gonna make off of that. And it's like, you know, it. it here's a problem. I think I think there's a bigger problem here. And I'm it's, again, I'm gonna bring Donald Sterling back into this. And it's it's the aspect of why is it so hard to get an owner out of these positions? If this was a player that did this, gone. Three seconds flat, gone out of the league, never again playing again. If if if, if a, one single player ever said something along the same lines of what he had said in, at any point in time in his tenure, if a single player did that, it doesn't matter who they are, if they had said any of that in their tenure, gone out of the league, never to worry. Why are the, why are owners so secure? And this is not just an, an NBA issue. Let's be very clear. This is a multifaceted sport issue in the in the U.S. Any of these owners say any of this stuff, it's like armor goes up. Like, I mean, it is the you know batting down the hatches, put the put the glass case over the the the, the building. Like, it gets on lockdown, and somehow it's so hard to get rid of these owners. Like, it takes a act of God to get rid of these owners. And oh. thank God he's he was Sarver was willing to step aside because otherwise it would have taken an act of God to get to get rid of this to get this team out of his hands. We saw what happened with the WNBA's Atlanta Dream getting their owner who said very misogynistic and racist things about the players out. I mean, it was literally uh, like, it literally took Congress to step in to get her out. Like it's, I don't know, man. This is such a story that it's like, it's so hard to just take one aspect of it and be like, Oh, well, man, you're, you're a piece of crap without like looking at the whole industry where owners are just kind of, catered to at all times and and there's there's no repercussions really for owners because like you said yeah he has to sell the team he has a 10 million dollar fine but he's about to make 800 million 900 million on the back side of this that's after taxes like he's about to walk home with the bank and and he still gets rewarded for it you know i guess the perks of being extraordinarily wealthy and like that top 50 ish people in the entire country, as well as technically as the list of owner of said team, since it is your entity, you, no one can truly force you to without going through a whole bunch of processes like that as well too. Like in theory, the NBA could basically banish them. Like, all right, you're no longer part of the NBA, but like there's a, that's a whole lot of loopiness and goofiness, but I agree. I'm glad to see him taking the right move of stepping aside, even with the financial benefits, and the kind of backhanded compliment of like, well, because of cancel culture, I can't atone for myself. So, right? so like, there's there's a lot of there's a lot in there, but I think the final result hopefully looks like it'll pan out the right way. And I am really curious to see who ends up with that team as well, too. So, LeBron has claimed he wants to own an NBA team. Well, you got the you got you got the Brinks trucks roll on in there as well and tell them 
you can't play Devin Booker when you play the Suns, I guess. I mean, maybe that'll get or when you play the Lakers, excuse me. So maybe something will work out for them there. But we'll let's hey former former uh former Suns players as well could get into involved. You talk about Shaq, um, hmm. potentially Steve Nash if he gets out of coaching. He would There's be able no to do Amari Stoudemire. You owe me two MVPs, at least one of them, and then they wouldn't be they wouldn't be able to coexist. No, no. Well, <laughs> you know, Shaq, Shaq invested in the Kings, but now he div- di- di- uh, divested his interest from the Kings. Now, so smart now guy. he he well he I mean yeah very <laughs> smart, but you know you talk about a guy who's dabbled in ownership and who wants to get back into it, who has who has quite a few bring trucks to his name. Uh, he could definitely alone, he could probably own half of that team. Well, let's not forget uh, Shazam, you know. Or is it and, Kazam? Kazam. My bad, Kazam. Kazam I, either Kazam. way, that TNT money doesn't even have to be touched, and he'll be good. So they, there's, a, there's a lot of interesting options. I do look forward to seeing how that one plays out as well, too. So a lot to watch out ahead of the NBA season as well, too. But that's going to do it for the tip-off, and that's going to take... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Into our next segment, that is known as the main event. And the main event brought to you by our new friends over at Manscaped as well, too. Manscaped, a new sponsor of the show as well, too. And if you've been living under a rock for the last year or so and don't know what Manscaped is, it is the premier equipment in men's grooming and hygiene as well. Basically, take care of your pair. Proper grooming requires precision, engineer tools, and handles the sensitive areas as well, too. It gives you the right tools for the job, safe skin technology, waterproof, everything you need to make sure that you are hygienically taken care of and the way you take care of your pair down there. So that, that's pretty much all you need to know with that as well, too. And Kelsey, there's a little bit more that they're doing as well, too, that you kind of wanted to touch in on. Yeah, there's actually two things that you want to touch in on. It's their peak hygiene plan. You talk about taking care of your down there. Well, you, look, you sign up for this peak hygiene plan. You get brand new equipment, brand new blades, brand new t- trials of some of the new products. Only $14.99 per shipment. It comes every three months. I mean, you get brand new gear lined up at your door. You don't even have to go down to the Target to pick it up. I cannot cannot talk about how nice that is to not have to deal with some of these people in, in, nowadays and in, in these grocery stores so it's just going to be right there at your door but on top of that they have partnered with the testicular cancer society and why does that matter because one man every hour every day is diagnosed with testicular cancer and with manscaped we help save balls that's just plain and simple as part of their mission with testicular cancer uh, the testicular cancer society they aim to educate and entertain while spreading a very important message about early detection and self-screening. Protect yourself against men's health issues and cancer risk. It's the most co- common form of cancer among men ages 15 through 35. So men out there, look, DJ, you and I are both in that age range. It is something that, you know, you've seen you, you've seen the reports. You've seen the friends post on Facebook. You've seen those, those type of life-altering moments that, you know, they go through. So together with Manscaped and the Testicular Cancer Society... We want to help you out, and that is, look, get tested, get follow along with the instructions. If you get, need anything to follow along with, head on over to manscaped.com and click on Our Cause, and it's the We Save Balls concept, and it is uh, absolutely fantastic with their, their partnership with Testicular Cancer Society. Um, go check it out. They have a lot of he- helpful information there, how you can help raise awareness, and then what you can do to get tested yourself. So definitely to go check it out when you guys get the opportunity. 
absolutely. And it's not just men's like care down there as well too. They do also hair care, skin care, deodorant boxers, a whole lot of things as well too. So go ahead and check, head over to Manscaped, find something you like, use code HILOSPORTS and get yourself off. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, but 20% off of your order as well too. So head on over there, find yourself some high quality grooming and hygiene as well. So now that we got, got that, we're going to shave ourselves right into the main event now. And Kelsey, we're going to go ahead and start with the obvious one. We're going to head over to in between the lines of the NFL as well, too. Very, very busy. Very, very chaotic. So much so that our survivor pool that we've encouraged people to sign up for is already dead. <laughs> By week two, everyone is already dead. It was me and one other person were the only ones left. And we both lost this week. So he picked the Colts. I picked the Bengals. And they both let us down. So there's a lot we could look at for this week and recap. So I'm going to let you go and go first. I'm going to have you pick a game and kind of tell me some of the things you saw in there. And we'll go through it. Yeah, I, I really, I, I have to start here uh, with maybe one of the more surprising games, I think it's safe to say, uh, as far as, oh my God, did that just happen? And that's the Dolphins-Ravens game. I, I, I want to look at Tua. I, I, I mean, look, six touchdowns in a game. Four what? in the fourth quarter. Four, four in the fourth quarter. Tyreek Hill checked out with cramps. In the third, in the earlier or late in the third, late in the second quarter, miss like with with through halftime, getting an IV along in the third third quarter, getting an IV, comes back in the fourth quarter to score two touchdowns and hundred plus receiving yards in the fourth quarter alone with cramps. Jalen Waddle, by the way, landing my two touchdowns at any time mm-hmm. bet uh, from fourth and four. So shout out to you, Jalen Waddle. And the Ravens, listen, the Ravens were no slouch in this game. This is thirty eight points, thirty eight forty two. You mentioned that Lamar might play him play himself into a Brinks truck this season. Well, he looked like well on his way to it this season. You look at the stats of this game, it's it's insane. Like Tua, 36 of 50, 469 yards, six touchdowns, two interceptions. Rushing game, non-existent except for one big run by Chase Edmonds there at the in in the fourth quarter to set up that final touchdown for the for the Dolphins. Um Receiving-wise, though, look, Tyreek Hill, I mentioned it, 11 receptions, 190 yards, two touchdowns, 100-plus of that coming in the fourth quarter. Jalen Waddle, 11 receptions, 171 yards, two touchdowns. Gesicki with four for 41 and a touchdown. And then River Crawcraft with the smallest stat line of the group, but probably the most impactful touchdown that really started them on this path with a one touchdown, one reception, two yards, one touchdown. Really kind of got them going on this path here and, that defense stepped up and played big, but like even if you look at the Ravens, Lamar had a fantastic passing day, and it's insane. Twenty-one of twenty-nine, three hundred yards passing and three touchdowns. He went nine of one, nine for one nineteen on the ground, along with a touchdown. And then in the air, Rashad Bateman with a hundred yards receiving. Mark Andrews had a hundred yards receiving, both with a touchdown. Isaiah Likely put up forty-three. Duvernay put up forty-two, along with a touchdown return on a punt. This was a fantastic game to watch from top to bottom. There's no question in my mind. And if you hate on one of these teams for anything, I think the only thing you can do is like hate on them for waiting until the fourth quarter if you're the Dolphins. Like with Dolphins fans everywhere, like where has this been the last year plus? But you know what? This is just, this is a fun game. I'm going to hold off on saying that this was Tua's coming out party. I know a lot of people are saying it, but it's not yet there. I want to see him start and finish a game with the lead. I want to see him go go wire to wire with the lead and be able to hold that lead and sustain and manage a game as well, not just make plays coming out of the wazoo. Because he, he, you know, he did a lot of things that a lot of people said he can't do still, which is move in the pocket, make right decisions. I'm glad he actually moved out of the pocket with his head up. Finally, we talked about this last year. 
Every time he'd move out of the pocket, his head would go down close to the line of scrimmage, and teams would just crash. This year, he's seeing the man that's deep wide down the sideline. So that's what led to a lot of this, these receptions. But, yeah, that's the, that's the game I really wanted to highlight because I, I had an absolute blast watching what little I watched. Well, I'm going to be that guy. I have a few complaints here. And my mo- primary complaint is both the teams have a lot of money invested on defense, and it was nowhere to be seen whatsoever. <laughs> you look at those that secondary for both teams, they both put a lot of money into that as well, too, and they did not come through. Hey, Obviously, Marlon Humphrey, two picks. Marlon Humphrey wasn't playing there as well, too. We get that. Kyle Fuller is out there. Achilles for the Ravens. We get, we get that. But, like, Marcus Peters, you were kind of trailing a whole time there. Rookie corners, rookie safeties. Kyle Hamilton was not in the positions I wanted to see him in. There's – it was kind of messy there, but you gave up 28 points in the fourth quarter, which I also look at the Ravens' offense. How come you could give them that opportunity? You have way too good of a rushing attack built to be able to not start to windle that clock down after two touchdowns. So I do look at a little bit of clock management there. For the Dolphins, though, Mike McDaniel, he can – what? anyone who's questioning that beforehand, I think so far you could say he's kind of – you see why the Dolphins were, were – wanted to bring him in there what he was able to scheme up getting those guys open he got Tyreek running wide open on a wheel route up the sideline Jalen Waddle running loose Mike Asicki's running loose and we haven't even got into his run game because you mentioned it was virt- it wasn't really used because you were trailing the whole time Mike McDaniel's a run first type of guy that's why there was rumors Gasicki might be on the trade block because he doesn't block anybody well it doesn't matter when you're catching touchdowns the fact that they were able to scheme this stuff open and I agree with you Tua he earned his I think he's earn the right to for everyone to back off a little bit as well. So maybe yeah. you can't say he's he's arrived. He's not in that he's not quite like the Burroughs and the Herberts and his draft mates quite yet, but he has a better win percentage than both of them. Granted, much smaller sample size and getting got rotated in and out a lot. But that what an explosive game you saw always capable of. He doesn't have an absolute hose of an arm, but it's more than enough arm strength to get him open, especially when you have a couple yards of separation like those two are gonna get. Jalen Waddle's the real deal. He is not a speed just a speedster. He is a receiver that burns. On top of you saw him with that game-winning touchdown, pull, Randy Mossing it over somebody's head as well. Too. After and that's that's after he earlier the the drive before that had a fantastic almost catch in the same fashion in the back of the end zone that he ended up landing on his hip. Like the dude, the dude can go up and get it exactly. And I do think for the Ravens, you don't really be too concerned once Marlon Humphrey and their secondary once they can get a little bit healthy finally because they just these last two years that secondary just cannot stay off the infirmary. I think they'll be they'll be fine. They won't have to deal with a team like that again. Plus, once they can get J.K. Dobbins back healthy, who was close to playing today, I think that'll help establish that run game and give them options besides Lamar, go save us, and occasionally Kenyon Drake here. And then I think having a true number one running back there will open things up. But you mentioned Rashad Bateman. Going to show that Lamar does have receivers as well, too. So anyone says he doesn't have any, he does have some. Devin DuVernay's become underratedly good. Not quite like the Chargers' weapons or the Dolphins' weapons, but Mark Andrews is as good as anyone. Like They have weapons that are built for Lamar's game, and I think – you're seeing Lamar reap the benefits, and he's going to get paid for the benefits at this rate too. Yeah, I would say Duvernay, if he doesn't get hurt in that game, I do think that is a lot bigger. I don't know if they lose um, because he does. He was gashing that team, uh, gashing that Dolphins secondary as that third option. Um, I also want to get your opinion on this. We got a chat a message from the chat here about Lamar. Not Lamar's fault. Not at all. Do you, like, not at all. Okay. Yeah, I just want to make sure you're like. So this, I, I got to also add in. Well, and anyone who thinks that's Lamar's fault are the same people that are blaming Nick Chubb for scoring a touchdown with less than two minutes ago and putting your team up by two scores when they have no timeouts. Like these are the same people that are com- that complain. They're like, that one was more on clock management as a team as well as defense. My goodness, how do you let them keep getting loose? That's kind of how I look at that one. It's and, 
Dolphins going to Dolphin. That, that's a new thing, kind of like the 2018 Chiefs, where Chiefs are going to Chief. Right now, it's Dolphins going to Dolphin sometimes. And I got to add, I, you know, both Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters were in that game, and they were the ones getting burned by Tyreek. And it's funny because they actually have a video of those two on the sideline imitating Tyreek's running and how he just stops and turns on a dime right before he caught his, his last two touchdown passes in the fourth quarter against them. Um, so I thought it was it's quite entertaining. If you guys haven't checked it out, just go check it out on NBA uh, NFL on CBS's uh, Twitter page. Um, it's very funny to watch because then it's like not even four plays later, he's he's breaking past Marcus Peters and cuts back to catch the ball and then walk into the end zone. And then, uh, yeah, same against Marlon Humphrey on the other side. So very funny to watch um, in that one for sure. But, uh, yeah, that, that, that was the game I wanted to highlight just because that was, to me, the most – Interesting, but I do want to talk about one the game you just mentioned that that Jets Browns game. What were your thoughts on that one? I know obviously the Nick Chubb touchdown, but really like top to bottom, what was your thoughts for that? Oh, uh, that Browns defense has some work to do. I think that's the simplest way to put it. Right now, look at the amount of money that's invested in that team: hundred million dollar corner, hundred million dollar pass rusher. The the draft capital they put in there from JOK, Greg Newsom, Grant Delpit, just going across the board. Josh Johnson the third, like. You look at their defense, and it's supposed to be – it was a top five-ish unit last year, top five to seven. We have anticipated coming to this year, if they were going to be successful, they were going to have to be a top five unit. They, they've been absolutely toasted for the greater part of these – for the last five quarters. I know that through the first three quarters against the Panthers, they were just fine, but they let Baker Mayfield kind of toast them in that fourth quarter a little bit. Blown coverages, Robbie Anderson running loose, Corey Davis running loose, Garrett Wilson getting loose. I know Garrett Wilson loves Ohio, so maybe that's just what it is. But for some reason – that back-end communication is absolutely abysmal. I don't know. Some people are doing sign language. Some people are yelling. Some people are doing Morse code. I don't know what's going on back there, but the amount of times they just give up busted coverages or seem out of position is just, it is very, very strange considering how good of a unit they were last year, how much they have invested, and how much they just kind of fallen off these last five quarters. And they have a short, they have a short time here to go back with the Steelers who, Luckily, it's the Steelers passing offense coming into play. So, I mean, in theory, if you're going to get right, this is a good team to get right against as well, too. But it is kind of concerning when you see – we talked about with Jacoby Brissett, their weakness would be just not turning the ball over and staying scheduled on offense. Jacoby was arguably the best quarterback of the week. When you look at, like, pro football focus and things like that, I think he was, like, fourth. His completion percentage was out of, out of was outstanding. Mari Cooper was getting loose. He was all – he looked as good as he's ever looked, honestly. Nick Chubb, we mentioned, scored three touchdowns for you. Yeah, I, I don't know what else you want to do. The offensive line was cooking. But you can't give up two touchdowns in less than two minutes with no timeouts, and you fail to recover an onside kick. And then a missed PAT, those happen. You wish he doesn't miss those. But you shouldn't have to worry about it when you're up two scores with less than two minutes to go. You shouldn't have to think, oh, should I fall down at the one-yard line or take this two-possession two lead? Like, there's that's a problem on the defense. And there is at least at minimum 12 people you blame before Nick Chubb, and it's that entire defense plus the D coordinator. And then there's probably a few others in there as well, too. But I, I, that was kind of my emphasis is that defense has some work to do, especially with communication, because that just the busted coverage is the biggest thing as well, because that's way too much talent. It's not like it's a bad team back there that we just expected. That is a team that we expect to be top five in defense, especially pass defense. When you combine the pass rush and the back end, I, that, that looked worse than Madden defense, honestly. I'm not talking issues, man. I'm looking like the last three years of Madden where you could average 500 yards a game. It looked worse than that. Yeah, no, it was it was something crazy. I, I do want to go back to your Jacoby Brissett point. It, outside of one pass on the day, I think he was as fantastic as you could have ever hoped and dreamed for. Like, whatever your peak dream is for Jacoby Brissett, he was one pass away from being, away, being that. And that's that one interception. 
I think that one interception didn't, I mean, it didn't really like at the time didn't really affect them. And at, now you look back at it and it's like, Oh, well they scored off of that. That's a difference. But 22 of 27, one in one of those incompletions being that interception, a touchdown, 229 yards. And most importantly, led and de- like led an offense efficiently, uh, made the right decisions. He was, he was up there switching plays, switching run calls to side to side, calling out the, the Mike linebacker, calling out, Blitzes coming in the right direct, you know, run blitzes that were coming to to cut off Nick Chubb, still allowing Nick Chubb to go rattle off 87 yards, Kareem Hunt to rattle off 58 yards. Nick Chubb scores three touchdowns on the day, and Amari Cooper, where you been at, my guy? I've been missing you. You know, nine receptions, 101 yards, uh, a touchdown. It's like it, that's the Amari Cooper that that they want to see week in and week out. Can he sustain that long term? I know the the that's a big question. But yeah, I think this Browns defense. This that's probably the most disappointing group I think I've seen. Um, and they've already made they've already made changes to their to their defense, uh, cutting a couple guys, sending a couple down to the practice squad, calling back up Isaac Rochelle, getting a couple other guys as well, signing to the fifty three man roster. Just in the in the days following, getting ready for this Thursday night game coming up. But yeah, man, this is that was a wild. Like between these two games, I don't think there were wilder games this weekend. But those two games were just like, wow that's really happening type of situation. Like defenses are really falling apart this easy and offenses are coming out of nowhere. And what is it with Joe Flacco finding wide open receivers deep down the right sideline every time? It doesn't matter whether he's in Baltimore. It doesn't matter whether he's in New York. doesn't matter what happens. He just somehow finds a deep a receiver deep down the sideline on the right side, wide open. I don't know if it's the way he throws the ball, the way he looks, the way he smells. I don't know what it is, but it seems like anytime he makes a big play in a clutch moment is deep up that right sideline as well. So it's, very interesting as well too i will say what's weird is we talked about how bad their defense has been in communication in some situations yet they still have like jok is the top rated linebacker by pro football focus anthony walker's top five miles garrett's the top three edge like you have standout outstanding players and then you just have like these random spots that end up canceling all the way out as well too mostly that back end as a whole really i i feel like i don't i don't want to pick on one of the safeties but i honestly feel like john johnson's side is the side that they end up attacking most whether it's because he's trying to cover for Delpit or not, I don't know what the case is, but it feels like each time I see a break, it's always on John Johnson's side. And I don't know if that's because he's supposed to be covering or there's supposed to be somebody coming deep in that deep third and they're just not getting there. Like, I don't know what the case is, but I do feel like I've always seen 43 near the ball, chasing after it, looking around while he's trying to chase down the receiver in that situation. And I'm like, that was a Corey Davis situation. He was 43 (laughs) chasing down Corey Davis. And I'm like, why is John Johnson chasing him? Like who's supposed to be there? Or was he covering for somebody that was out of position? And so it put him out of position. Like what's the case here? It was weird too. Cause, and there's a lot of them. So we're like one side, one guy's playing cover two, the ones playing cover three. And then suddenly there's that big gaping hole. One person's playing cover four, the other one's playing man like that. One of them's trying to reroute on cover two. The other guy's playing the cover two. Like there's, it's like they're playing two different defenses sometimes as well. Yeah, too. I don't really. know if it's, it's, it really just feels like the communication of what's going on sometimes. So that's, that was kind of a that was I agree with you on that one. That was a very very weird game and a fluke ending. And well, hopefully they're all mentally good to go because they're playing in roughly twenty four hours from when we record this as well too. So we'll see. if there's a game to get your pass defense right, the Steelers is probably the one to do it as well too. So there will be no Jadavian Clowney in that game. So we'll see how that affects things as well too. Yeah. But go we'll th- before we get into that, we're going to be talking about that game a little bit later too. But a couple of games I wanted to take a look at as well too. I'm going to start with the obvious one. It's the one that. Honestly, we all kind of knew it was going to happen, but it's still surprising to see happen. And that's the Colts and the Jinx in Jacksonville continues for 
the seventh consecutive year now, eighth consecutive year. I don't know what it is about that summer heat or that Jacksonville heat, but they not only can't get it done, but they go down there and they get slapped 24 to nothing. Matt Ryan has a miserable day at the office. The defense, I mean, they let Trevor Lawrence looking like Tom Brady out there. I mean, 80% completion. They shut down the run, but it doesn't matter when Christian Kirk earned all of his money in that single game. As well, too, with two touchdowns, I was toasting everybody. And honestly, with the, from what I watched in that game, the biggest thing that stuck out to me is when you think Indianapolis Colts, what's the first thing you think of? RTDB. Run the damn ball. And why do you, why do you say RTDB? Besides Jonathan That Taylor. offensive line is a stud. Unfortunately, that is no longer the case, I think. I think RTDB is a 20, died in 2020, it feels like. Or even last year a little bit, when it was give JT the ball 30 times a game and eventually he'll break loose. Because when you watch them this year, their tackle situation's a mess. Like Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen, that not that Josh Allen, the other Josh Allen, were walking around the tackles. Ryan Kelly's, he has not looked the same the last four games. Braden Smith looks a little bit slow. Quinn Nelson even looks a little bit off. Like They're getting toasted and beat up all the way. We saw Houston do it last week. We saw just their inability to let letting Costanza, like Costanza retiring, letting like their backups go, letting Glowinski go. They have... They've not done a good job of replacing what made their team really strong right now as well, too. And it feels like the communication is suffering. So, and Matt Ryan, for all the good he can do, when you put somebody in his face, he's gonna, you're gonna, that's the result you get. He's not a mobile guy. He's not a, he doesn't do his best work while getting smacked in the face as most pocket passers don't. So, I think this Colts team, especially, is they're in a lot of trouble, too. If that offensive line continues to be shaky, Jonathan Taylor's, we'd both agree, a top 10 player in the NFL, arguably, somewhere. And they're just individual player, yeah. top 15, maybe, because. But there's, he's kind of dependent on five other guys to not get in the way. And he's still third in the league in rushing, despite all of it. And he had nine carries. There's only so much you could do against a 10-man box most of the time. So that's the one thing that stuck out in that game. The other thing that stuck out to me is, this is the same thing as the Browns. There's a lot of money invested in that defense, and they got they have been cooked for the last four games. Kenny Moore the, was the best nickel corner in the game, and we've seen Hunter Renfro. We've seen Marvin Jones. We've seen... Whoever the heck the Texans have, everybody, honestly. And now we've seen Christian Kirk all have their way with him. I don't know what it is. They had zero quarterback hits and two pressures through those 30 dropback attempts. Nobody touched Trevor Lawrence between DeForest Buckner, Quiddy Pay, and the amount of money they have invested in there. Stephon Gilmore, I don't know if he's playing good or not because everybody else was playing bad. Julian Blackman's still coming off the Achilles. He has his moments, but... This defense is terrible. Like they have played absolutely terrible for all but maybe the fourth quarter against Houston. Like and even going back to last year, they were terrible during those last two games for the most part last year too. So this this cool team has a lot to work on in about three days before Kansas City rolls in the town. It was gonna help getting your receivers back healthy, not having to rush special teamers out there as your number one receivers. But it's it feels like oh two and one is about to happen unless that offensive line can get it, have a nice little flashback to two thousand twenty. And unless that defense and maybe Shaquille Leonard getting back healthy makes that big of a difference. But it's looking bleak there in India team that we both thought could be a underratedly pretty good AFC team that could maybe not an elite Super Bowl contender, but one that can make some waves, if that makes sense, at least scare some of those other teams. Yeah, no, I, I, I like looking at defensive statistics around tackles and things like that in these type of games, just kind of see what, the, what was up. It's a, very telling when your leading tackler had four solo tackles as a defense. And you shut down a team 24 to nothing. It means, one, your defense was flowing well to the ball, but, two, they weren't really attacking you in, in, in a lot of ways. They were very much trying to just nickel and dime you through the air, and they couldn't do it. 
because, well, the receivers are bad. But also, look at the sack situation. Roy Robertson-Harris, Josh Allen, Adam Goetzes, Arden Key, your four starting linemen, defensive linemen, all got a sack, at least one. Josh Allen got two. Your entire starting or your middle linebacker, Andre Sisco and Rayshon Jenkins all end up with a with with a pick. And by the way, De- Devin Lloyd being the, the 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 middle linebacker getting a pick. So it's very much a situation where they they basically choked him out. So they just they had no options but to try to throw to Mo Ali Cox or or you know Ash Doolin in on in a quick situation when they just really couldn't get the ball to him. And those situations were being completely like. That was about as perfect of defensive conversation as you could ask for from the Jaguars um, when you when you want to get the job done. And also say offensively for him, just, just uh, uh, Lawrence going twenty five of thirty is about as efficient an offensive day as you could ever have asked for from the young quarterback. So they did everything they needed to do to win this game, and then it didn't help when yeah your best asset as the Colts. Like I feel like the Jaguars are like, all right, look, we'll give up a hundred yards to. To Jonathan Taylor. Well, you didn't even do. You didn't even have to give up 100 yards to Jonathan Taylor to win this game. Like he gave up 54 on nine attempts. Nine attempts to Jonathan Taylor. Now At what point in time do you just say like snaps. your next best player saw 15 total snaps? Like I know I like I get it. Like there are times where you just can't get anything going and you have to punt a lot. At what point in time do you just think to yourself, all right, we're just going to play for first downs. JT, I'm going to hand you the ball three straight times, and you're going to get me three and a half yards per carry. And we're going to get a first down, and I'm going to do it again. And I'm going to do it again. And I'm going to. At what point do you just say, screw it, go back to what we do best? I, I, I didn't see that in the Jaguars game, and that's a little bit more nervy for me than anything else because that's not the first time this has happened. The whole RTDB thing came up because Quentin Nelson – yelled it at their head coach last year or two years ago because he got away from what they do best. Last year during hard knocks, you saw him say the same things during hard knocks to his coach. Hey, let's get back to what we do. Let's run the damn ball. And then guess what? They run the damn ball and they win. But it like this is the one team I think I can say, it doesn't matter the score, the scoreboard. If you run the ball, if you're the Colts, you will have success. They did it against Houston when they were down. They got yeah. loose on the ground. Then Matt Ryan threw for 300 yards in a quarter and a half after that. Like, it's... It's you, the... They have... Matt Ryan has the easiest job when that run game is working. When you're trying to go pass first, then run, it's going to fail every time with that team. Especially you when your leading you receiver is a special pass. team's gunner. That is who you're expecting mm-hmm. him to throw to as well, too. Like, that like you're... This, yeah. This is a bad. This Colts team is out of out of sorts right now, and it's like I get it. Like you're trying to again, your third straight year with a third uh, a different quarterback. Fifth straight year. Sorry, fifth straight year with a different quarterback who hasn't been on your team in the prior 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 year. Like this is, it's kind sixth. of embarrassing. Uh, no, sorry, six. It gets well, worse no, the more I think one, about no, it. No, <laughs> well, one of those one of those years, I know the quarterback was on the team the year prior. Oh, the year prior, I was talking about different starting quarterbacks on opening day. Well, I mean, like yeah, coming in and learning the system brand new is my point. It's like, this is three straight years of a quarterback coming in and learning it brand new. On top of, well, yeah, then you add in it's a brand new quarterback for the first time. Then it's six years, but like a first-time quarterback learning the offense for the first time, this is three straight. I mean, that's still not a good system. Um, so, and, and it's not like the system's difficult. Like, hand the ball off. That should be that should be how it goes. It should be how it goes. Instead, it's like, all right, guys, we're going to line up and we're going to throw a bunch of different short routes and we're gonna then we're going to run the ball. But only once those routes start hitting... 
but they don't ever hit because the, they don't open up because the gaps are being closed because when they run commit, they're filling in those short gaps. It's that simple. It's, it's a very simple, like, you're outthinking yourself in this case if you're the Colts in a lot of ways. Just, like, keep it simple, stupid, hand the ball off. And at the same time, too, offensive line, if you want an RTDB, you got to show some success with it. His first four carries went for, like, 10 yards. So they got to do yeah. a better – they got to get off the ball, too. I mean, granted, he it's finished like two and with a half good, per carry, yeah. Yeah, he finished with it because you had two long runs when you're down 20 to nothing, and he broke a couple longer ones. But the offensive line has to get something going. If you're going to be the strength of the team with you're going to have a $20 million guard, you better be able to average 100 yards a game on anybody. I mean, you're paying Quentin Nelson more than your Batonio and – Wyatt Teller getting paid in 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 Cleveland, and that you see the problem here as well too. Your other guard has been getting toasted. Your tackles are miserable so far. Braden Smith does not look the same, but we always kind of know Braden Smith to pan back out. But you see why he was drafted as a guard. You kick him inside, you have Wyatt Teller and Joe Batonio. Problem is, you have no tackles. Then they're pretty. What, what would you say doing the Colts problems the last three years? Tackle since Costanza retired. Tackle receiver edge rush. Their biggest weaknesses right now, tackle, corner. receiver. Corner. I'd also throw corner in there as well. I'd say corner in there as well with Ed Rusher too, just because Stephon Gilmore's fine, but you're not playing Isaiah Rogers, who was your best corner last year, arguably. And Kenny Moore is no longer your best corner. Isaiah Rogers has registered zero snaps this year after having four picks last year, I think it was, or something like that too. Like, I don't know what's going on, but they hopefully they have something saved in their back pocket for the home opener when the Chiefs come to town because – it, it's going to be rough otherwise. This has 41 to 17 written all over it if they don't pull something out. Maybe Michael Pittman coming back and that makes things easier. Maybe he is that good where you just have to have him and everybody else gets open. Alec Pierce is coming back, it, it looks like, too. So hopefully maybe they can out. figure something out. Hear me out, all right? Cole Beasley. He already Will Fuller. And then Cole Beasley signed. I think he's going to Tampa Bay. Oh, is he actually getting up at Tampa Bay now? I th- or at least they were talking to him so far, from what I understand. But I, I know where you're going. Go ahead. I like where you're going. Go ahead. <laughs> that, okay, that's there. Now let's go to offensive line. Oh, you know, maybe bring Daryl Williams in. Maybe Bobby Massey, Brandon Shell, Tyrell Crosby, Mike Remmers. Oh, you know, you could still bring in Eric Fisher yeah. again. I know he wasn't great, but you know what? You ran with the number one running te- number one run, run, running back in the league with Eric Fisher on the team. Just gonna throw that's just some names I'm throwing out there for the Colts. Like there's one other there's one other name that could possibly help that you didn't mention there as well, too. I was pretty familiar with the system by the name of T. Y. Hilton, who Well, I I wasn't gonna say T. Y. because I feel like at that point I feel like at this point in time, if you reach out to T. Y., it's almost like T. Y. save us, and T. Y. is gonna be like, No. He was liking a bunch of tweets during the Houston game. Like, we need we need T.Y. And he was like, he wanted to come back. And then two days later, instead of addressing it, when you hear Alec Pierce is out with concussion and Pittman's hurt, they put a banner that says, thank you, T.Y. Hilton, for the memories. And it's like, well, way to burn that bridge now. And then you put up that stinker in Jacksonville. So we'll see. Yeah. It's early in the season. There's 15 games to go. But it's looking like trouble in Indiana. We might want to refute our picks from the preseason. Now, I would like to amend mine at this point. I would uh, wholeheartedly like to amend <laughs> mine right now, please. Um yeah, I have them the Super Bowl losers. So uh, yeah, that's, let's 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 pretend that I didn't give that prediction. Let's let's pretend that. How about let's that? just we'll just watch that away. Move on to our last game that I want to look at as well too. And this one was not a good game by any means, but I do have some questions about it. And I'm gonna look at the Bills and the Titans from Monday night. I do. By the way, a I do want to mention what game were you watching? It was a fantastic I said game. It, well, it was fantastic for the Bills. 
And don't get me wrong, this is this is not an indictment on the Titans. The Bills kick my ass every month as well, too. I get that. The Bills are relentless out there. The Bill, Bills kick my ass at the beginning of every month. However, when I look at this one, I'm a little worried about the Titans, too, because they their defense just kind of they got cooked after that first quarter as well, too. That was kind of their strong point. And it feels like the Ryan Tannehill era is not over, but you can kind of see it on the horizon as well, too. Like, it feels like there, I feel like we're going to see Malik Willis a little bit sooner than later at, in sustained action as well. So I can see if they're two and five, three and six, something like that, we see Malik Willis starting. I'm not going to disagree with you. I mean, he was out there for a quarter and six minutes. It felt like, I think it was, yeah, a quarter and five minutes, something like that. Yeah, he was out there for a long time. I mean, I wholeheartedly think it's going to be the Malik Willis situation soon. I will say I don't think it's down to Ryan Tannehill's play, though. Like, don't get me wrong. Not at all. Not, not at all. Pretty. I'm just saying, like, sometimes it's, you just need a spark of some kind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I Like, I get that. Like, I'm with you on that. But, like, I'll be honest. I think Ryan Tannehill's getting a shaft right now because the big problem I look at with this team, I'm looking at this offensive line, and I'm looking at Derrick Henry, the great power rusher that he is, that I still say I kind of question that power rushing thing, especially right now. But 13 rushes, 25 total yards. 1.9 yards per carry in this game. This is two weeks in a row where Derrick Henry has had sub 50 yards on over 10 carries. I don't know the last time I saw Derrick Henry put up numbers like this. I don't think I've ever seen Derrick Henry put up any numbers like this unless he had a broken leg. And even then, he's getting you three yards to carry because he's two yards tall. Yeah, like he, he was a he was a freshman at Alabama coming in and giving you eight carries for a total of 40 yards. Like, this is, I don't know what's happening. I don't know whether it's the offensive line because he does, like, as a bigger guy, he does need those steps to get going. But he's like, he's getting contacted in the backfield before he could take his second step and he's he's just going down. Like, there's no power in his leg. It almost looks like there's no power in his legs to get through any of these, whether that's due to not being able to get started or maybe not being the power back we once thought he was. I, I don't know, but. It is a situation that you kind of are looking at and you're, you're, you're a little bit worried right now because Hassan Haskins came in and gave you nine carries for 37 yards, average 4.1. Uh, Malik Willis gave you four for 16. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know what the I don't know what the deal is, but look, Tannehill didn't have a bad game, didn't have a terrible game. 11 for 20, 117 yards. But I also don't think he's helped right now. Traylon Burks being your number one receiver again, I think is a terrible idea. It's awful because his route tree is so limited because he didn't work out during this entire summer. He doesn't know the entire playbook still. Robert Woods is still coming off the injury. You see that. It's very clear. He still gave you four for 39. Uh, Austin Hooper is not a pass-catching tight end. He is a blocking tight end first and foremost. Kyle Phillips is your biggest threat over, over like to go catch the ball, but even he was one for five. Like... <laughs> I feel like this is the old Kenny Britt led Titans where there's just throw it up and hope for the best at a receiver, but really you're relying on a run game to get you there. Like this is it's 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 sad to watch right now because I don't think I, I would not, honestly if I'm gonna blame anybody on this team, I'm blaming coaching for on this Titan situation because this offensive co- game plan is awful. If Derrick Henry is not working, it is awful. And it's I've been complaining about it for three years and people are like, Oh, but AJ Brown but A.J. Brown, but Corey Davis, but A.J. Brown. Yeah, they bailed out everything. Absolutely bailed out everything. They, Ryan Tannehill made it work because that's what he does. 
but it's still a terrible offensive game plan. It's like Auburn's game plan, but in the pros. It's make it run. If you can't run, what do you do? Oh, I don't know. Throw it up to a six foot four receiver and hope for the best who only runs three different routes. Now, granted, AJ Brown has proven me wrong. He does know how to run more routes in Philadelphia. But still, I stand by my statement with Tennessee. Their offense is just their game plan is just terrible. I will say, too, I think we obviously know the Bills are good. They are obviously a Super Bowl contender, one of the three best teams as well, too. It's kind of nice to see Stephon Diggs get rolling again because last year they started moving coverages to him. He wasn't getting quite as loose. He was still a top 10 receiver. He was still obviously fantastic, but not quite that record caliber year before because teams started being like, oh, we should cover that guy. Even to that day without Gabriel Davis, seeing him be able to get loose on them again too. I mean, he alone had more yards in that game than some teams have had all season, it feels like, as well, doing more touchdowns as well. He was absolutely sensational. He alone had, had more receiving yards in that one game than Tennessee has in two games. Exactly. Like, he was absolutely fantastic. It was great to see him get rolling. And we see Dawson Knox. You see he wasn't a flash in the pan, too. Like, he got paid, and he has earned it so far. He's made some. He's given Josh Allen a big security blanket. And we saw it. You take away Gabriel Davis, he's still able to find guys. We saw found James Cook again. We th- I was worried he wasn't going to get the ball again after his fumble in the first game, but he's back and he looks pretty good now. Yeah. Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, still effective. Offensive line's still pretty good. They work out the kinks early, but that's a dangerous team. And defensively, oh boy, that Von Miller <laughs> looks like he's 33 going on 23 right now. He looks rejuvenated <laughs> and ready to go. That defensive, the linebackers, Tree, Ed, Tree Edmonds, Matt Milano, the secondary even without Trey White is insane. Like, they're somehow they are definitely better than they were last year, and I think they are a very very dangerous team. Assuming they don't shoot themselves in the foot like they are prone to do for a couple games a year, so I'm looking forward to when some of those bigger team matchups they get. They already showed it against the Rams. I'm curious some of the other big games they have coming up on the schedule. Like I believe they play the Ravens as well. Some of those other ones that should be really really fun. But that is a that's a scary team, especially if they can get a consistent running game going from one of those three backs or all three of them even. This was not Josh Allen QB draw. That's going to be a very, very day. That's a very dangerous team as it is. But I'm, I don't even know if Tennessee is that bad. I think they just ran into the ultimate buzzsaw. Yeah. Like, I think this, if they had gone up against, like, I feel like if they had gone up against Dallas, they would have just ran rookshot over Dallas. Hmm. But, like, they unfortunately are going up against Buffalo. And then that's just going to demoralize the team even more. As you mentioned it, I mean, this team is without their number one corner. And you could, you could fool me and say they weren't. Like, you could honestly hmm. say, yeah, no, this is their, this is their number one team. I'd be like, oh, all right, yeah, that makes sense. Damn good team. <laughs> a couple pick sixes there, you know. Like, yeah, wow, Matt Milano with a pick six in this game. What, what happened there? Um, yeah, no, it's, it, you know, Kyrie Elam, like, absolutely fantastic, sticking his nose in on the run, helping out in the run as well. I mean, I know he's – that was kind of my report on him was he's great going sticking his nose in on the run. Sometimes he gets lost in the hips. He has not gotten lost at all during this season so far. He looks fantastic. Taron Johnson, I talked about him before. I love him as a, as a number one potential corner down the road. Right now, he's showing that he could be a number one right now, and he's showing me early. Like I thought, I'm thinking like two, three years. He's like, no, I'm a number one now. Like, I don't need Trey. I could do it now. But then Trey White's like, just wait, young buck. Let me come back and see what's going to happen. Because when Trey White comes back, I I don't even know what to expect from this defense. I don't know how they're going to get everybody on the field because they have guys, they have eight deep defensive line. They're running their nickel package most of the time anyways. Like, how do you get the guys that have been performing so well so far on the field when Trey White comes back? By the way, Micah, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer did not have not lost a step yet from last year as well. Oh too. They are just How as good as they possible. Were last year. Like they they still continue to get they still continue. So that's a dangerous team. And for the Titans, it looks like it's gonna be a rough season, but luckily you're in the AFC South. You're at the bottom of it right now at 0 and 2. 
but you're not that far out of the way considering the best team is one and one right now. The division we've had two division games and a total of one victory in that entire division. That is how absolutely wacky this is. This two division games, one victory combined amongst four teams. So you're not even close to out of it. You're honestly right in the thick of it because that division's an absolute yeah. trash heap. It is a Mickey Mouse division at its finest. So there is a far from out of it. Plenty of other games as well, too. The one thing I'm going to mention from the games I looked at as well, too. I picked the Vikings to beat the Eagles. That was a mistake because I thought they were the first Monday night game. I didn't realize they were the second one because we know Kirk Cousins in prime time is like the Colts in Jacksonville. It just or it just doesn't just work. For some reason, Kirk I thought they were the first Monday night game. So I was like, oh, it's technically not primetime. There's a chance. I was wrong. You never pick Kirk Cousins in primetime. Now we know. And two, Eagles might be for real, and it's nice to see they got their best receiving target in Devontae Smith the ball as well, too. Now if they can Finally. do week one A.J. Brown and week two Devontae Smith in the same week, Jalen Hurts might be gunning for an MVP at that point as well, too, especially with how many times he runs the ball into the end zone in the red zone. Like, Can I get a combined ooh. effort of both week one and week two in Dallas Goddard? <laughs> can he combine his performances from both of those and then to get the Devontae Smith performance? That'd be great. Yeah, well, now we're just asking for 600 yards a game, which you know what they might just do. Well, if, if big play Slay keeps getting interceptions, we'll I have mean, to wait and see. <laughs> 300, 300, 100, 100 for, uh, you know, all time. He sets a sets all time history record there and, and joining only Mike Vick. And he's like, ah, you know what? The work's not done yet. Like, all right, Jalen, you keep, you keep talking that game because I'm going to keep believing you the more you keep saying it because he's proven himself to be that dude multiple times now. Absolutely. Well, it was a fantastic week in the NFL as well, too. Plenty to look forward as well, too. And before we get out of here, Thursday Night Football, the Browns and the Steelers. You mentioned it, short week as well, too. Division rivalry, both teams one and one, both coming off of a little bit of rough losses as well, too. Both kind of ugly games in their own right. Kelsey, where are you going in this game? Can I go with another tie? Is that <laughs> might you know what? that might actually would, the would, would, we get, would our would our apartment burn down if, if that's the case if they if they died here in Cleveland I don't know uh, but I do think that I, I'm you know I'm gonna say Cleveland takes this one I think they finally fix it they they get a welcome reprieve defensively against this offense and I think their def, their offense can handle what this this defense could do without T J Watt so I think I think that aspect plays into it um, the lack of T J Watt really improves their their odds. In my eyes, especially since you still have a healthy Nick Chubb, um, and you made some changes on defense, so give me the Browns in this one. I'm I'm not going to try to overthink this one. I'm just going to say the Browns, just hopefully pull it out. I'm not betting a single dollar on this game as well, too. I'm going to go with the Browns a little bit as well, too, because Mitch Trubisky is the starter. I think if Kenny Pickett was a starter, I might be a little more inclined. But so far in these first two games, Mitch has looked very, very erratic. Like he's looked, he's had some moments, but I'm still kind of concerned with his ability to keep an offense on schedule, especially with Najee Harris. There's there's nowhere for him to go. Unfortunately, I thought he might get more action in the passing game, but they have eliminated him in the passing game, really, too. George Pickens is – he says he's open 90% of the time, but he's not really getting the ball. Deontay Johnson hasn't wanted the, probably the best catch of the year so far, but that's about all we've seen so far. Chase Claypool, he's there. Pat Fryer, yeah, he he's, this, he, he's a guy. He, he's alive. Minka Fitzpatrick is still one of the top three or four safeties in the game. He, but like you said, take away TJ Watt. Cameron Hayward's awesome against the run, but – Give me the Browns just because they just what the talent deficit's too large. Maybe if Kenny Pickett was starting and you I could trust their offense to stay on schedule, I'd think about it. But I'll stick with the yeah. Browns, but I don't feel comfortable either way. It's gonna be hideous and a heinous game. Or I feel like it's gonna be seventeen to nineteen or something stupid like that. So oh, that, and I'll say, by the way, shout out to Joe Hayden, former Brown and Stiller, uh signing a one day contract with the Browns to retire as a Brown. Uh very fun fact. 
you always remember where they drafted you as well too. So good, Joe Hayden on fantastic on a fantastic underrated career as well too. So that'll do it for the main event. That is going to take us into Kelsey's favorite segment. That is crunch time, and crunch time we got a little bit of an active one here today. So I'm going to go ahead and kick mine off right away. A recent announcement of a retiring from a legend, Jose Aldo, the original featherweight king of the UFC, announcing he is going to call it a career, at least in the UFC and in MMA as well too. The best featherweight, in my opinion, of all time right now. Some guys fastly closing in on him. Uh, and honestly, explosion, technique, everything you can mention. Eight-second double knee-flying knockout, everything you can do. The biggest thing was that rough loss to Conor McGregor. All eyes were on in the biggest moment, and it ended in 13 seconds. He did not let that define him. He bounced back and won a title again. Then went to another division and ran through that one up until a title shot as well, too, at an advanced age. So... Jose Aldo, one of the best to ever do it, and on top of that, his resiliency, something to be commended for as well, too, because honestly, he could have he could have crumbled after that Conor McGregor moment and just never really bounced back. Won two interim titles and a regular title since that point as well, too. Those who don't know, well, go back and look at some of the, go back and look at his resume because it's a, that's as good as it gets, especially that division. So, Jose Aldo calling it a career and somebody, those who know, they know he was one, he was one of the best. He's one of the best to ever do it. Yeah, I mean, like the king. Of, he's not nicknamed the King of Rio for no reason. I don't so think it's a nickname way. anymore. Like it started as a nickname, but now he, I yeah, think he it's might crown. actually he might get a crown if he if he when he heads back to Rio at some point in time. Absolutely. So that'll do it for Jose Aldo. Now we're gonna head back to the hardwood as well too. But on a more positive note, the Las Vegas Aces, WNBA champions, and not only did they win the title, they celebrated like queens as well too. Anyone get track of the parade as well too? Kelsey Blum. The big cigar as well too. Like they they partied hardy and they they deserved it as well too. A fan and a fa- after a fantastic final showing as well. Craziest thing about this entire situation, Dierica Hamby, the forward for the Aces, came out and said she was pregnant playing in these playoffs with her second child. That's she's crazy. been pregnant this entire time. I'm sorry, like we've talked about Serena winning, you know, going and winning a Grand Slam with with a child. That's that's way up there. Playing an entire playoffs pregnant. Dealing with morning sickness, dealing with all of the aches and pains that you already deal with on a normal daily basis, adding that pregnancy pains? Nah, there's no way. There is no way a normal human being does that. That is absolutely insane. Congratulations, first of all, on the child coming up, but on the championship. It was absolutely fantastic. And yeah, the strip men, they were absolutely having themselves a ball uh, for this one. And, and shout out Becky Hammond. Um, look, Becky Hammond's been through it with the WNBA before. She was obviously cut from, she never got to play for the USA national team because. There was, she was just, it was just so logjam. She went and played in Russia, came back, coached in the NBA, almost got an NBA job, and said, "You know what? Screw you guys. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go coach. I'm gonna go coach the WNBA now." And well, wins a title just that fast. So shout out Becky Hammond on that one too. And on top of that, shout out Greg Popovich for giving her the chance to get this position as well too. Like, oh, he's yeah. you can say what he wants. He hasn't been the same without Tim Duncan, but also losing Kawhi and all that as well too. But one of the more progressive and open-minded coaches, great coaches of recent memory as well too. So absolutely fantastic for him. But we got one more thing we want to talk about here at the end for crunch time too. And it's something we're all a little bit too familiar with. <laughs> yeah. We're going to talk a little bit about loss and I want to, I want to get everybody's opinion on this one. If you guys have not seen this TikTok yet, well, enjoy this. This is, this is, this is, this is something else. Look at him. Just stupid. Like, why you, are they running on you, the field? It's still time. Is like, you okay? Yeah, I'm all right. Is you crying? Don't leave me alone. You know I'm watching the game. No, I'm not crying. 
I told you they was finna lose. I don't know why you acting like this. Why is you talking about my business? Why is you talking about my business? But they down bad with T points. They cheated though. They cheated. They cheated. They cheated. We would have won. They cheated. I you not hot with all that stuff on? Yeah. Hey man, why you coming at you? I told you, don't when they lose, don't talk to me for the rest of the week. Why is you bothering me? Dang. You whoa, what about the wristbands? You act like they finna throw you in the game to save the last couple of points for you. Would you leave me alone? Would you leave me alone? You don't even cry for me like this. I only know you for two months. This has been my team for twenty two years. Yeah. Win, lose, or draw. This where I'm at. Get out. Get out. I gotta stop it there because it gets it, it, he keeps going and he's he basically just so unhappy about it. But I mean, DJ, I felt that like when first of all the wrist the wristband thing cracked me up every time I see it because we all have that lucky charm right for our team, um, and then the, the wristbands just being his. But the the I've known you for two months. I've been with them for twenty two years. Like that's does that does that not hit home in so many ways? If they don't know, they know. Luckily, my lady have known for a little bit longer than two months, and she understands when the team loses, stay away for a little bit. Let me simmer, and then we'll be good. But I did. the amount of other people who don't quite get that as well, too, is like, oh, man, what a tough loss, huh? As the steam, steam is still coming out of my ears. It's like, hold on now, everybody. Yeah. You need to back off as well. So we all, we all know through that moment, nobody wants to try and be consoled in that moment. I want to stew. I want to do that angry walk so you don't have to go to Walmart and buy a new TV where you just kind of walk off for a moment. Take a deep breath so you don't throw that throw that fist through a TV. Like we've seen those ones as well, too. Or pull out a 12-gauge and unload on it. So I felt that. I felt that as well, too. And honestly, that's a fair way to put it. I've known you two months, 22 years. It's a different level of investment at that point. And especially, we've all gone through that, too. They cheated. Every time your team loses, something happened. They cheated. And it's a, that was a holding, and I'll be damned if it wasn't. or something along those lines. Absolutely. And especially, look, especially that rivalry. Like, that's, I mean, that's up there for a lot of us. We all have that one rivalry. That for me, it's Auburn, Alabama, um, and I, you know, that's what gets me every year. And, and obviously, I spend a lot of years staring at my TV in that exact position. Like, hmm. huh? I wonder what would happen if I put a big hole in this TV. Like, I wonder, wonder, I wonder what happens how far there. I shove this fist through that screen. <laughs> yeah. So I got the question becomes, guys, ladies and gentlemen, if you guys have ever felt like this about any sport, any team, whatever. What sport was it? What, what 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 was the one that got you in this way? Let us know in the comments. Let us know on Twitter or on Instagram, TikTok. You know our social medias. And don't forget, guys, head on over to manscaped.com. Use the code Sports for 20% off your next order as well. But that'll do it for us today. DJ, any final words? Not all. Just was going to say check out that code. Find yourself something you like. It is almost Christmas time coming up as well, too. So save yourself a little bit of money. Get it now for 20% off as well, too. Thank you for joining us all today. We will see you all next week. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.